Um, what I love about Steve is he's just a man with deep roots. He's a man whose personal walk with God is of far greater importance to him than his public ministry. And uh, I heard a little while ago a phrase that was used to describe people whose inner life is deep, which is that they're bigger on the inside than the outside. And I know few people like that, but Steve is one of them. He's a man of deep prayer and commitment to Christ. He loves the cross. He knows that that's the place where he met Christ and, you know, that's all he lives for. So it's just great being with you. We had a lovely time last night uh, with Steve and Annie just hearing stories of what God's doing here in Winchester. It's amazing. I'm just thrilled to hear just little snippets of God's amazing grace at work amongst you and of the lives that are being transformed by the gospel. The last time I stood here uh, was for a King's School prize giving. So I was involved in the King's School for a, a good number of years. A number of you perhaps have got those connections as well. And I can see one or two faces that I know. People have just begun to realize they know me as well. And you still, you haven't walked out, which is fantastic. Four years ago, God st uh, stirred my wife and I up to move on and we left uh, Hedge End, King's Community Church. We moved to Yorkshire initially to get involved in a church plant, uh, but God had other plans, and uh, we're now members of a New Frontiers church in Leeds, but I'm working, as Steve has said, full-time for Christians Against Poverty. I love that, because when I was in Southampton, I opened our Cap Debt Center in about 2011, and it tra has transformed the church, as I think it has done for you as well, in uh, connecting you with people who perhaps would otherwise never even dream of coming to church, but God has sought them out and found them through them, this amazing ministry through uh, Christians Against Poverty and the partnership that you have. Our mission is to serve the poor, save the lost with the church across the nation. Uh, with me today, I've got uh, Tim and Abby Barry and their boys. They, Tim is um, one of our area managers for the southeast of England and also Neil Harknett, who's the regional leader for the southeast of England. This is a big gig. You know, we've got top guys here. And they, they're going to be at the table afterwards to tell you more about CAP, to give some stuff away, to if any of you want to pray for us or give, then to, to deal with that. So, because I've got to whisk off and go to the other location. So, I won't get a chance to chat to any of you afterwards. I'm sorry about that. But I really want to commend you as a church from what I know, from what I've heard. You are really involved in this city in reaching those who are disadvantaged on the margins. You have your soup service, which I've heard about, which sounds incredible and just sacrificial in terms of the, the love that's shown week in, week out to people at a disadvantage. You've got your CAP, debt center, and other things I'm sure as well. That, that people are involved in with. I met Barry earlier this year. Is Barry here today? Barry, hi. We met very briefly earlier last year. It was last year. And I was just hearing amazing stories of people that were not only uh, being helped in terms of their financial situation, but coming to know Jesus Christ. Yes. Yes. Are you one of them? No. Okay. <laughs> you seemed excited about it. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. And I've met this morning Kath, and I know that Sue and Babs are also involved in the, in the, in the Cap Debt Centre. So I just want to commend you, uh, but I, and I want to encourage you to continue to remember the poor. You know, it's possible to grow weary. It's possible to get a bit of compassion fatigue. And I just want to encourage you to keep remembering the poor and, and to find, perhaps this morning will help you to find fresh energy right across the church. You don't have to be one of the people I've mentioned. All of you have a part to play. All of you called by God to reach out to those who are out there, who are not part of your current network of friends, perhaps, but are in need of God's mercy and love. So I want to encourage you really to to continue to have a heart of passion and, and to be motivated to love those around you in this city and the, the uh, area around it. In a moment, we're going to look at some reasons to care, and I'm going to highlight what for me is the biggest one. But before we go there, I do need to just bring an apology from CAP, from Christians Against Poverty. Um, we've been partners with Hope Church uh, for around five years during that time. Over 160 people have been referred to you as a church and you've helped them in one way or another. Many of those have become debt-free. But in August, for the first time in 23 years, as an organization, we actually had to put a pause on taking any new clients right across the UK, not just for your church. So with a few exceptions, there have been no new client bookings made since August. And that will continue for a few months to the end of the year because we're just massively overwhelmed. Uh, the increased demand and the complexity has basically clogged up the system. And we, how's it happened? Well, in t October of last year, did any of you see The Debt Saviors, a BBC documentary made about CAP and the churches we partner with? That was shown on a Friday night. On the Monday, the phone started ringing. That was, we had 42% more calls that October than in the previous period, the same period the previous year. And it's been relentless. So January for us was the biggest, busiest month in terms of incoming calls from people needing help ever in 23 years. Um, Blue Monday day, the 4th of February, the, the, the date that everybody suddenly realizes that they've run out of money and they begin to, that's why they call it blue money. We had the more, more calls than any other day ever. I think it was well over 200 and uh, 244. And then in the six months from January to, to June, we had 18,001 incoming calls from people desperate for the kind of help that you give and we do in partnership with you. And it was just beginning to, just the, and the complexity of those, their need as well, meant that we had to put things on pause in order to be able to continue. I think there's something in excess of 30 clients that are still currently working with us and with you uh, on their journey out of debt. We want to give them the very best service that we can. We've had to pause for their sake. I trust that it will allow you some time as well to get alongside those people, be a little less pressurized. In, in doing that. Um, but this landscape is not unique to us. The other de debt management organizations are finding the same sort of pressure, which just, I think, highlights something of the need in our nation at this time. It's growing. It's, it's not getting any better. It's getting far worse. And we, 
at CAP are passionate about what God has given us to do. And, and we've got some compelling reasons to keep caring and keep pressing on. And I want to look at, at some of those now. So, reasons to care. First of all, just seeing the need. I've, I've mentioned it already. It's massive, it's overwhelming, it's getting more complex. Right now in the UK, there are 1.5 million people who are officially experiencing what's called destitution by an official definition of going without certain things. That's more than the population of Winchester, Southampton, Portsmouth put together, much more. Imagine all of those people uh, just not having parents missing meals just in order to feed their children, not just once, but for days on end, or elderly people living alone who've not turned on their heating, even in the coldest months of the winter, or people battling multiple mental health problems and other health problems, uh, being hounded by debt collectors, the, the knockouts on the door, the phone calls, the text messages, uh, just relentless, and we're dealing with a, a crisis really in our nation, but we're part of the solution. And when, when you consider that each one of those people is an individual, loved by God, made in the image of God, made to carry the dignity of God, and yet their, their humanity is just being eroded through often just change of circumstances, throwing them into an unmatched, unmanageable downward spiral. Jesus once said, the poor will always be with you. Now, taking that just at face value, it kind of sounds a little bit indifferent, doesn't it? It sounds like, well, there's always going to be poor people around. You know, it's just an inevitable fact of life. That's how it is. But if you think that Jesus is expressing indifference to the poor when he says that, you couldn't be further from the truth because in fact he's quoting from the Old Testament, from the book of Deuteronomy, which actually says, there will always be poor people in the land, therefore I command you to be open-handed towards your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in the land. And the... Uh, the, the, the verse just before that says, don't be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards the poor. The fact that there are always poor people means that we should continuously be motivated to be open-hearted, generous, giving, serving, and helping those who are worse off than us. So the need around us gives us reason enough to care, but... I'm going to suggest another reason, which is that there's reward as well. We can see that God promises good things for those who are kind to the poor. In fact, being kind to the poor, giving money, time, energy, just listening, serving, helping, is lending to the Lord. It's investing, and he will, he will reward us. All of you who are involved in whatever way, he will reward you for your labors. In, um, in the New Testament, Paul says, do not become weary in well-doing. Uh, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest 
if we do not give up. The reward comes from God himself. It's not like a slot machine. You put five pounds in and get something of, of similar value out. It's in God's timing and God's ways. And the rewards are, 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 are many and varied. Uh, but he makes sure that we are rewarded for the service that we give to the poor. It's a promise of God, even just hearing him say, well done, as well as seeing lives transformed. And, it, and to be honest, that stirred me a lot. But what stirs me most is not seeing the need, not even seeing the reward that God promises, but seeing something of the very heart of God himself. And so for me, worship Seeing God for who he is is the biggest motivator for uh, serving the poor and not growing tired in that. So I want us to look at one psalm. I want us to dig a bit deeper and we're going to read this together. Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you his servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised, both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is exalted above the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? Just let that question stick in your mind for a moment. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes, with the princes of his people. He settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. I love this psalm. I just keep coming back to it again and again and again. It's a call to worship for all people, east and west, from the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun. It paints a picture of unceasing worldwide praise to this God that we serve. He's not a local God. He's the God of of the universe. And there are two things that strike me as being reasons for praise here. First, his infinite majesty. Who is like the Lord our God? He is high above the nations. He's high above the heavens and the earth. Let's, let's just think, get our heads around what this means. Now, if we, we here on planet Earth, our nearest star is the sun. And if we were to take the the distance between here and the sun as the thickness of a single piece of paper. And then think about the galaxy that we're part of, which is the Milky Way. It would require, from one side of the Milky Way to the other, would require a stack of paper 310 miles high. That's how big our galaxy is. And it's one of just, or of at least, 40 billion galaxies in the known universe. And our God sits above all of this. He made it. He he holds it together. He sustains it. This is our God. Majestic, exalted, incomparable. It's in unapproachable light. No, No eye can see him. What an incredible God. That's, we worship him for his infinite majesty. 
But then this God does something that I find utterly surprising every time I read this psalm, is that he stoops down. See, we can't reach up to the heavens. We can get a man to the moon, and that's about it. But we cannot reach the infinite majesty of God, and yet he stoops down to look upon the heavens and the earth. And not only that, but he lifts and raises the poor and the needy from their ash heap. This is incredible. This is in God's incredible mercy. Who is like the Lord our God? And I want us to explore this, this amazing, majestic God who has come down to us at our point of need. And what does he do? He looks, he, he stoops down to look at the suffering of the poor. Now, just a short while ago, I was in Leeds late one night, it wasn't that late actually, but it was after dark and the, there was a terrible storm due to come and there was a guy just sitting on the ground with his sleeping bag and a few belongings leaning against the lamppost and I just stopped to say, how are you doing? And he began to tell me his story and I stooped down, I sat down beside him to find out his name, to hear his story. I prayed with him. I gave him just a little to get him through the next couple of nights so he could get into a hostel out of the storm that was coming. But, do you know, that that's nothing like the distance that God travels to come alongside us. In the song that we've sung, he, he, will, he runs, he chases, he... He is relentless and reckless in his pursuit of us. A God who comes to look, to listen, to live alongside, and to lift up the poor. And so he looks at the suffering of the poor. He said, when the people of Israel thousands of years ago found themselves in slavery in Egypt, and uh, Moses is called to lead them out of their cruel oppression, God says, I've indeed seen the misery of the people in Egypt. God sees, he looks, he sees, he sees through all of the galaxies and stars and everything, he sees right down, he sees past the rich and the affluent, he sees the poorest of the poor in their misery. They may be hidden from sight, We've discovered at camp that, that many of those, and you will have seen this as well, many of those that we end up being able to help have become invisible to their neighbors and their families. They live behind shut doors and closed curtains, no one knowing their loneliness and their, and their plight. But God sees, he sees, and he listens to the cries of the poor. He says to Moses, I have heard the people of Israel crying out because of their slave drivers. He hears that cry for help, that desperate groan. He knows what they're experiencing. And he comes alongside. Again, he says to Moses, I have come down to rescue them. And this is the story of the Bible. It's the story of God coming down for the poor, for the needy, for the oppressed, 
coming down to rescue. He rescued the people of Israel out of Egypt, took them through the Red Sea, and time and time again, he hears the cries of those who are desperate and lifts them out of their desperate situation. He attends his ears to their cries. He comes down alongside them and changes everything. But more than just living alongside, he lifts up the poor. The psalm says he raises them from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. There's a a restoration of dignity that is God's agenda for the poor. That is, you know, for the For Israel, when they came out of Egypt and into the promised land, God said to them, I've broken the bars, the yoke of your slavery, and now you can lift your heads high. You can hold your heads high. That is God's intention. It's not not a God of handouts. He's a God who lifts up. And, and, and then brings people into community. It says in the psalm that he seats them with princes, with the princes of his people. It's a great leveler. It's just extraordinary. And so this is our God. This is the God we worship, his infinite majesty. And I mentioned that just that little story of me sitting down on the ground and talking, listening, and helping that man recently. But you know, God is, I've got friends, sorry, who have done much more than that. They've gone much further. They've taken their sleeping bags and slept rough with the homeless for several nights. They've identified with them in a way that I've never done. And God himself has done something like that. In sending his son, Jesus, he's taken the ultimate descent. He's come and lived amongst us, lived and breathed with us, shared our humanity, experienced our sorrows. And he has demonstrated through Jesus his compassion for the poor. When Jesus... Uh, was born, one of the names he was given was Emmanuel, which means God with us. No long, he left his glory. He humbled himself. He became a servant as a human being and lived among us. This is extraordinary. The God of the universe, the God above the galaxies and everything that's ever been created, limited himself became a man and shared our life with us. I just find it absolutely incredible. And at the start of his public life, he stood up and he said, God's spirit is with me to proclaim good news to the poor and to set the oppressed free. That was his agenda. And you'll see for the three years that he traveled around from town to town, from village to village, he was like a magnet to the poor. Wherever he was, they found him, or he went and found them. And he had more time for those who had been uh, put on the margins of society, the lepers, the, those who were regarded as being beyond the pale, the sick, the blind, the, the poor. He had time for them. He stopped wherever he was going. He, he looked, he saw the need. 
He listened. Do you know, listening can sometimes be incredibly inconvenient. There's one story of where Jesus was walking along the road and a blind man who was a beggar, if you were blind, you were a beggar. There's no other way to live. Was crying out to Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And everyone else was trying to shut this man up. He was like the you know, just an inconvenience. He was a nuisance. But Jesus said, no, I want to speak to him. Come here. Come here. What is it you want? He wanted to see. Jesus said, your faith has made you well. And his sight was restored. He, in, listening can be inconvenient, but it never was for Jesus. Never. He lifted the, the life-transforming power of what Jesus did as he touched people's lives. Not only healing diseases, but speaking words of forgiveness and no condemnation to those who'd been condemned by their, by their society. It was absolutely life-transforming. Who is like the Lord our God? Who is like the Lord our God? Well, no one except one, Jesus. And when we see Jesus, we see what this God is like. He said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. That's the Father's compassion. But he goes further still. There's a final descent, which um, on the night that Jesus was betrayed and arrested, he'd been celebrating a Passover meal with his disciples. Now that's the Passover for the Jews was an annual reminder of their liberation from Egypt, for, 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 of the exodus from Egypt. And they remembered every year what God had done for them as a people, setting them free from slavery. And Jesus with his disciples had been celebrating that and they sang a bunch of Psalms as part of the Passover and the first of those was Psalm 113. On that very night, Jesus sang with his disciples of the God who stoops down to lift up the poor, to raise them from the ash heap. And he went and took the final step down. As a man completely innocent, he was condemned to death and died on a Roman cross. He died in our place, bearing the full weight of our sin and the guilt and the shame and God's anger towards sin in order for us to be absolutely liberated and set free and forgiven. And the grave could not hold him. And in this final majestic swoop down, up again, raised to full life, to live forever and ever and ever on that third day. And because of that, any who trust in him are not only forgiven of their sins, but have new life, given brand new life. And by the power of the Spirit, I'm going to quote to you a famous author, um, Steve Chick, whose little book on the cross I have so been enjoying. And in it he says, at the foot of the cross is level ground. There is room for all. See, what Jesus did on the cross was for rich and for poor. It's it, for uh, 
wise and for foolish, for high and for low, there's room at the foot of the cross for everyone. The cross is the great leveler. It brings us into community. It unites us across every boundary. I had the privilege this morning of seeing a Welshman and a South African hug. <laughs> Whether they'll be able to keep that up, who knows? Uh, but, and every week, through the work that we do with churches here in the UK, we are hearing stories of people who are not only set free from debt, but finding new life in Christ. We hear about the stories that come from Winchester. Every Monday and Thursday, we hear a whole bunch of stories. They're anonymized ever so slightly, so we don't know names, but we know what God has done in rescuing people. And the debt that is, they've been released from is far greater than the hundreds or thousands that they owed to creditors. They have been released eternally, forgiven and given new life. This is the most wonderful thing. It's the, great, the gospel is the greatest rags to riches story that there is. God setting people through, through the cross. So then, how should we live? Well, Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And I, I don't, almost don't need to say any more. The Father sent him to live among, to, to care for, to listen to, to lift up the poor. And so he's sending us. And as the father stoops down and his son stooped down even further, so we must be ready to stoop down, to get alongside, to get our hands dirty, to cross boundaries that are uncomfortable for us in order to serve those who have less, who are struggling, whose circumstances are more difficult than ours. And to show them the love and the mercy of this great and wonderful God. And as the body of Christ, we are now the eyes that see. We're now the ears that listen. We're the feet that go and take us alongside. We're the hands that help and lift up and restore dignity and empower and create a home for people. I just love it that this church is a home for people from every kind of background, that there are no bar entry barriers, that there is incredibly, just the mercy of God has, has, has done that. And let's continue to do it. It's essential to our mission, to the gospel itself. Let's come alongside people and be ready to serve them and keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. Don't grow fatigued um, and I guess really I just want to, to finish where this psalm finishes the last line of the psalm again is praise the Lord all of this flows out of worship there's no better motivation than glimpsing this great God whose incredible majesty and infinite mercy blows us away every time we see it and we therefore go sent as he sent his son. So I'm going to show you a photo of a lady called Tina, just one of the many clients that have been helped through CAP. Tina's from North Kent, lived in just incredible poverty, really, um, having suffered a lot of abusive relationships and left on benefits that didn't meet her, her costs and struggling to find money to 
to buy milk, to make a cup of tea. Um, going to bed when it got dark in the winter because she didn't, had no money to put the lights on. And she says in her little story, which you can read actually, you can read Tina's story, it's in this little flyer that there's a copy for everyone to collect on your way out. She says, if you'd walked past my house, you wouldn't have known anything was wrong. And yet God saw her, and the people of God got involved. And a friend of mine called Ruth went to visit her. And Tina's story, well, you can read it, but she's now a baptized believer in Jesus Christ. She knows she has a heavenly father. She's a member of a church. And I just really want to, I want to land this with a call to action because otherwise it's just been informative. It really needs to be more than that. So for every single one of you, there's some things you can do. There'll be many things that I don't mention, so please forgive me for just narrowing in on a few. But for us at CAP and for the churches that we partner with, we are absolutely dependent on prayer. We want you to pray for us. We pray fervently. I I know of no other organization like it where every day we stop to pray. We pray for our clients. We pray for the work that God's called us to. We want you to join with us in prayer. Please, please. So in this leaflet, there are, there's a sort of seven-day prayer plan to get you started. Uh, but we are able to give you specific updates. And we'd love you, please, if you're not already, to be on our mailing list for email and about three or four times a year, a lovely little magazine with stories and areas that you can pray for. We want you to pray for us at this difficult time, for us as a charity. We need to get through this challenging time, get systems in place that will enable us to not only be where we were, but continue to grow and reach more and more people. Um, so firstly, please, and if you do if you do join our prayer list by just giving us your details afterwards, we'll give you a free book. It's called Nevertheless. Some of you will have already read this book. I know that. It's the story of Christians Against Poverty. It's thrilling. Honestly, it's a story of absolute gripping faith, facing the impossible, but believing that God wants to do something that others don't even believe in. It's a brilliant book, absolutely brilliant. But if you've already got it and read it, then we have Journeys of Hope, which is a dozen personal testimonies of people whose lives have been transformed. A great book to to read and then pass on. So we'll give you those, or one of those, if you join our mailing list. And there's no charge and no expectation to give. But secondly, in addition to praying, we want you to take action. You can get involved in the work that's going on here in Winchester through soup service, through uh, the work of CAP. Uh, Even though I've said it's on pause a little, it's not. There are 36 clients who are still being helped. There's work to be done, befriending to be done. Speak to a member of the CAP team offer your services, even just getting behind them to pray for them. There may be other things God stirs you to do, needs that you've seen. Speak to the leaders of the church, get a team together and go for it. Let's keep doing that. So please get involved, take action with whatever, whatever way you can. And thirdly, can I ask you to consider giving? Now, 
I'm going to ask you um, if you'd like to give to the work of Christians Against Poverty. Our largest income stream is our life changers, 30,000 individuals who give monthly to the charity. It's our lifeblood. And if you'd like to join, I'm sure many of you are already doing that, so I'm very, very, very grateful. But if there's a few of you who are not yet and would like to, you're already giving to your local church. That's got to come first but you could spare the price of a cappuccino and donut once a month to, to give to the work that God is doing nationwide, then there's the opportunity to do that as well. Go to the table, they'll explain how to do it. And you don't have to make your decision today. You can just let them know that you're interested. And uh, we would be incredibly grateful and it would make a difference, a huge, huge difference. So let's stand together and pray, shall we? Jesus, we worship you for the wonderful, wonderful mercy that you've shown us. Thank you that your eyes were open to look down on our need. Thank you, Father, that you sent your Son because of our great, great need that we were alienated from you, trapped living on the ash heap no hope but you gave yourself shed your blood on the cross rose again for that to be reversed thank you that the curse of poverty has been turned around and that we have all experienced your amazing grace it's changed our lives we wanted to do so more and more we want your grace to reach more and more people here in Winchester and across the UK but ask you please mobilize your people to be your eyes and ears feet and hands all because of who you are Amen.